Hello, I'm Fern Cotton and this is Happy Place. Today we're live from the Happy Place Festival in Chiswick and I'm chatting to some gorgeous friends of mine. It's Tom and Giovanna Fletcher. I hate when people say couple goals because you just don't know what's going on in anyone's life and you don't know what those ups and downs that someone's going through. And I think being in a long-term relationship, it's about knowing that you will go through phases where you might not like each other. But if that's because you've got young kids or something really stressful is going on at work, like I know when I'm on a book deadline, I don't realise that I've been a plonker until I press send on that book. Kind of going, ah, oh, yeah, and just realising that no one stays the same forever and that there will be ups and downs and that there's just phases when we really love each other. I know they don't like the concept of couple goals, but I think it's fair to say, both independently and as a couple, Tom and G have a lot of great stuff going for them. A founding member of McFly, Tom had written 10 UK number one singles by the age of 21. More recently, he's been getting words down to create best-selling children's books. His wife, Giovanna, is the creator and voice of brilliant podcast, Happy Mum, Happy Baby, and has 12 books to her name too. And they write books together now as well. More on that dynamic and how it works a little bit later. I've known these guys for a very long time. I first met Tom right at the start of McFly. They would very often come onto the TV shows I was presenting on a Saturday morning, like Top of the Pop Saturday, or I don't know what the other ones were, perhaps Smile on a Sunday as well. But I saw a hell of a lot of them over the years and then became really good friends with Giovanna as well. And I really love that we got to spend some time during this chat reminiscing about those early noughties years and some terrible fashion choices. What a time to be alive. But as much as a lot of this conversation was completely hilarious, I also found it really refreshing and totally reassuring too. And I think all of you lot in our Festival Talk Stage tent did too. To hear from Tom and G, they're still just figuring all this relationship and life stuff out along the way. It felt good to hear that. Just to give you a quick insight into my excited and slightly delirious state by this point of the festival, this was the very last thing, or the penultimate thing that I had to do over the weekend. The weekend is so much fun for me. I get to do several talks and um, sort of discussion sessions and I try and walk around to meet as many people there and also stall holders and brands that we've got going on. It is, it's a bit like being at a wedding where I have to also do podcasts, which is really, really fun, but also quite tiring in the best possible way. So by this point, the Sunday afternoon, I was all over the shop. I, I was very professional. I kept myself together, but I was up for a real good laugh. I was in a celebratory mood, as you will hear very shortly. And I was also getting ready to have a big old dance to Denise Van Outen's DJ set straight after this talk. So hopefully you'll feel boosted and in a good mood after hearing this very jolly chat. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Right, let's do it. This is a fun one. weekend thank you very much have a nice birthday uh my birthday is tomorrow i thought it was friday uh oh, no shit research already God. terrible <laughs> research Deb. i was talking before we came out about how how good your research looks it's all wrong it's good it's just incorrect <laughs> uh, no it's tomorrow tomorrow yeah, right tomorrow. are you doing anything Working. I'm working. Great. Yeah. Standard, <laughs> classic. Well, I say work. It's not really work, but I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not partying. Great. Oh, well, I'm so grateful that you are both here today at the Happy Place Festival. I mean, you guys couldn't be more happy place if you tried. I feel like you really... That's really putting the pressure on. Oh, yeah. You've just got to be really happy now. <laughs> well, I've come dressed as you. I know. Look at us. <laughs> Yeah, and your sofa, like, you and your sofa together, that is what I've come to Oh, I love it, I'm here for it. But I'm, <laughs> I'm truly grateful, and I'm really grateful because we've managed to pin you both down, which is wild considering your schedules, considering how multi-talented you both are and the fact that you share three sons. It's crazy, so You've well met done. them, you know how crazy it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Quite it. Quite rare though, it is rare for us to get time together. This is almost yeah, a like date. It is. This is a date night, a birthday date night. This is my birthday celebration. Really intimate, yeah. little date night. Yeah. Don't mind weird. us. We'll just sit and watch you guys. Is <laughs> <laughs> that thing though, when you have a date with your partner and you haven't seen them much because you've got a family or you're busy at work, you go, oh God, I've got nothing to talk about. Yeah. Or you just talk about like schedules and logistics. Yeah, we just look at pictures of the kids. <laughs> I can remember years ago being out, I think my, we were on holiday, and do you remember the couple next to us who literally sat every night and they didn't say a word to each other? Yeah. Oh. Do you remember? And I'm, that's my fear, is us just going to dinner and just having nothing yeah. to say. Quite bleak. No, I think maybe that is us. Maybe that's, maybe, they <laughs> on, maybe that's something nice. It's just like being comfortable in the silence. Yeah, no one ex like, you don't expect anything of each other. Yeah. yeah. Just be. Just be. Silence. So the conclusion is either. Yeah. <laughs> be either, either don't talk to each other or do. Yeah. yeah. There's no wrong. Well, I guess, you know when you get to the end of the day sometimes where you just, like you're touched out. And you're asked out, like you're you're just out you're of done. Yeah. And I think sometimes it is nice to just sit on a sofa next to someone who just if your toes touch, that's great. Yeah. Then no more. That is quite frankly enough. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> that is quite frankly more than enough. <laughs> you're lucky, Tom. Yeah. Remember Happy how birthday, lucky you Tom. are. He's happy if I've had time to moisturise them. Otherwise, not so. <laughs> you moisturise his feet. They're mine. Oh. <laughs> what? His? Come on, that was like 20 years ago when you're still trying to impress. Even no. then. Still trying to make it That effort. never happened. <laughs> he has never moisturised my feet. This is for the record. I think I have. Could this be like a new birthday thing? No. Yeah. <laughs> Should we try it now? 
There's so much moisturizer in that shopping tent. We'll go and get some. <laughs> moisturizer to the stage, please. I love it. I love it. But it's brilliant and it's super impressive because knowing you guys personally as well and how hard you work and how much you care about what you do as well as parenting, it's no mean feat. And I wonder, how do you manage it? How do you communicate amongst yourselves to decide who's working when, who gets the time to be creative? How does that work? I, the truth is, we are terrible at communicating that. We're really bad, and, it's a compl and it becomes really stressful. Yeah. Well, and we had a time, like, literally three weeks ago, where I was on a, a month ago, where I was on a Copperfield trek, which had been in the diary for a year, uh, and Tom's album was out. Oh. I was like, like, that is in your diary. Yeah, but I can't just, this is the, the conversation we have. <laughs> I release argument. albums like once every, well, I think it was like a 10-year gap between albums. Like, yeah, I can't, 2020, come on. Yeah, anyway, well, it's so really bad timing then. <laughs> terrible timing. For 10 years to release in, it, and you did it the same week as G's <laughs> But I don't decide it. It's like, you know, there's a record label and a band. I have this, there are other people in the equation. So it's there are not things that happen that sometimes it, does, it just clashes and it's, a good support team is the most important thing I think that we have. Like your yeah. mum and dad are incredible. Um, but we live in a last minute, like crazy, stressful. Who's where are you going today? What are you doing this week? How are we going to do the school drop-offs? Okay, you do this one. We're planning it day by day. We're completely disorganised. So don't like there's uh, if there's an illusion that we have this all figured out and it's like this dreamy. <laughs> you know perfect scheduling that it does not exist in our lives like and we always say oh we should really you know plan out what we're going to do when you know i'm on tour later on in the year we won't do it no. i know we won't do it we're going to get to it before the tour be like oh yeah how are we going to pick up the kids this day <laughs> how are you yeah so it's complete chaos but it's really good to hear because i think we all assume other parents are just nailing it and they've got it all sorted so to hear that things can be messy and yeah. that things are chaotic is really good. Three kids in, I think that has that has definitely gone. Well, actually, so also our kids are the sort where when they when we pick them up, they just chuck all of their stuff at us. Yeah. So we are really those parents who look a little bit dishevelled leaving the school, like dropping bags to the point where Tom wanted to get one of those trolleys. No, so oh, yeah. You know the beach trolleys that, you know, that really organised parents have when they go to the beach? No, yeah, but you don't take the beach school. We need one for the school run. We do. We have three kids. The amount of stuff the kids have to the go into school. The bags, the instruments. Oh, that's quite practical. Nightmare. Yeah, it's a great idea. I don't know why all parents don't have if the, not, the school like, run trolleys. Yeah. They should just rebrand it. That's definitely what someone should do. Yeah. Just rebrand. You do it. You heard it here. This was my trolley. idea. <laughs> the school, if someone does the school run trolley, I want credit on that at least. Or you can even have a little seat on the back. Save yourself some cash and use a wheelbarrow. There you go. There you go. Yeah. That would, that's practical. That works. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Um, but it you is... You want us to go back on topic? No. <laughs> we're on... We're, I don't care at this point. I'm nearly done. I'm just thinking about dancing to Denise Van Outen a bit later. Um, it's, it's also really complicated because not only are you self-employed and yeah. your jobs are varied and there are multiple jobs, but also they're usually extremely creative. Mm. And sometimes I think we put the expectation probably on ourselves or we assume that other people that have creative hobbies or creative jobs have got this sort of luxury of time to think through ideas and work on them methodically. And that isn't the case. And I think certainly having kids means that that creative time gets narrower and narrower. Has that made you more focused or not? Definitely made you more focused. Yeah, I think just out of necessity. I'm, I'm so lucky I get, you know, I've, I have my band. 
and I write kids' books, and I'm working on a few other projects, like musical projects, which I write for. And I think just out of necessity, I have to maximize every second that I have. I mean, literally, so I, I write a lot. Luckily, I, I enjoy writing when I'm like in the car. So I'll do the school run, drop the kids off. And like that half an hour when I drive home, I will do most of my writing. What? How? But I think it's because I'm a really good driver, first of all. I'm a responsible <laughs> driver. I imagine but, like a pen and pad. Like, <laughs> no, but just like, singing or just speaking out loud. Like say, singing Even on the way here, he was humming. And I thought that he's not just humming a tune, he's humming, he's writing while he does, like... He's, he's writing the next McFly hit, that's what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, thanks. It's called Happy Plane. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but that, so it's just out of the, I think grabbing those little moments, but also my, my mind doesn't work in that way where it's like, oh, at 10 o'clock today, you're going to this uh, studio, and from 10 to 6, you're going to write a song. My brain goes, no, you're not. <laughs> and so, it, but that half an hour when I'm driving on the school run, I think my logical brain is safely driving the car and the creative part of my brain can write a song. How interesting. And I'm always really impressed with both of you that you seem to be able to work at night and that is not yeah. something I've mastered. I, my brain absolutely just the cogs stop turning it about, I mean, if I'm honest, about four, but like really at eight, I'm like, my brain does yeah. not work after that creatively or in any way. But you are using those night times when the kids are in bed to write books and songs. I don't know how you're doing that. The trick is that little cat nap. So basically when the kids say, lie down next to me, you're like, okay. Uh, and I do that every just night. To, yeah, just to sleep. I'll have a little cheeky nap. I'll wake up and go, oh no, I need to <laughs> carry on. And that is enough to kind of get you motivated and get you working again. Yeah. The struggle is that catnap not being like four hours long. Oh, the amount of times I go in and I'll, I'll play, I'll like move Tom's foot, his feet again, and I'll go, honey, honey. My, my moisturized feet. <laughs> it's nine o'clock, you know, and he'll be like, oh, it's literally like a teenager. And I'll be like, well, what do I, do? I do? No, you're an I'm adult. Done for the night. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's, done, there, there's a limit. Done. I'm like, no, I'm sleeping in here. Yeah, yeah. bye, night. Yeah. That's, That's incredible. And I mean, we, I was trying to think when we met, but we've known each other a hell of a long time now. Mm -hmm. yeah. I remember the first time McFly came on to Top of the Pop Saturday. I don't yeah. know what year that would have been. What was your first single release? Well, it would have been 2004, yeah. probably. Wow. I mean, I didn't take the time to Google that footage, but I'm imagining we all had you questionable haircuts. <laughs> Terrible haircuts. Do you want to do something great? Uh, in the McFly studio, we've got all of our like Top of the Pops covers uh, in the toilets. So there's all these brilliant pictures of Fern just dotting, dotting around <laughs> Top of the Pops magazine. The awful hair. Yeah. No, all yours was not nowhere near as bad as that. Oh, no, it was. I did, I did this thing where I tried to copy... They, I don't know if any of you remember the era where there were, there were the John Frieda twins, beautiful blonde twins. I did all the John Frieda campaigns. One had like a shaggy bob and one had just like sort of a shaggy crop. And I was like, that is the haircut for me. And I had it and I looked like Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> you like missed the mark so bad. It's like, oh, I don't have her face. That's why it did, the hair didn't work. But that era was, I mean, it was early noughties. Everyone had... Yeah. It's got very feathery hair. Yeah, it was a terrible yeah. time. It was a really like, no one really knew what we were doing. No. Like it was before indie fashion really yes. came in. So it was like between skater, you know, we had like baggy trousers with our bums out. Oh, the bums, it was awful. Bums. Yeah. Literally, their boxes, so they had boxes on. But, they're, they're, but the belts of their trousers would sit below their butt cheeks. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I just wanted to go around all the time picking them up. It was so yeah. weird. They'd have to waddle. You'd waddle. Yeah, and they, yeah, I mean, the test It was a skill walking time. with the, those trousers <laughs> and not falling down. It was a talent. It was an absolutely wild But they weren't time. even nice boxers. No. They were like 
they would turn because no, I rem- I remember because we all lived in the band house, which was a complete you know it was no one did any washing. It was yeah, it was disgusting. It was exactly what you think a bunch of seventeen, eighteen year olds living together is like. So we never washed our clothes, but we realised you could buy. This is terrible for like fast fashion, by the way. Uh, but the, we just it's bought new years boxes. Ago. You're forgiven. Yeah, we weren't woke then. Um, no. Uh, we just would buy new boxes. We just had these disgu- the cheapest boxes, which would balloon up like out the tops of our trousers, <laughs> like muffins. <laughs> like we'd risen. <laughs> but they weren't even sexy boxes on. on no, the not like sexy no, It was a practical thing. Yeah. Yes. Meshed with weird naughties fashion. Yeah. Yep. Um, the very impressive thing about McFly was many impressive things, but you guys have always you've worked super hard. You've always kept the momentum up alongside all of your other various projects. And you're still boshing out hits and you've still got a massive fan base. And uh, yes. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And it's not an easy thing. Thanks, Mum. But it's really not an easy thing to do because obviously when I was on Top of the Pops or Radio 1, you see bands come and go. And I read a really brilliant interview the other day with you guys. And there'd been a very, again, naughty's reference. The pigeon detectives had said, oh, McFly, whatever. And then Harry had said something like, well, F you. Um, Pigeon detectives, where are you now? Because you guys have stood the test of time. What do you, th- outside of hard work, which obviously you've all really put the legwork in, what is the secret to you guys sticking about? Um, so much luck. I think we, you know, we were in the, apart from working hard, there are so many incredibly talented musicians who work hard that don't get the breaks that we had. We were so lucky that we, that Busted had kind of paved the way for us and we were able to break. There were still shows like Top of the Pop Saturday and the, we had a tiny window of time where we could have secured our fan base and we were so lucky to do it. And thankfully, those fans have stayed with us for 20 years. And so much of what we do now is thanks to them still coming to see us, bringing their kids along to those shows now. Working hard, of course, you have to work hard. But the fact that we love what we do and we are best mates. Well, we're not best mates. We're like brothers. We fight like brothers. We bicker like brothers. And we love each other like brothers. It's a real family. McFly is a family. It's not just the four of us. It's our actual families, extended families, the fans, the team that work with us. We've been so lucky. And um, yes, so much of it is there are so many variables. And I I think it could have gone any other. Like, it's so easy for it to have not happened the way it did. And I wouldn't change anything. Like, we've had so many ups and downs along the way. But that's all led us to be still being here 20 years on. Um, And we love it even more now. You know, I think that's that we look at, you know, we get on stage, like over the summer we do these shows, we do like, you know, festivals and race course events and stuff. And we love every second of being on stage. Like when there's a weekend, like this weekend, we don't have a show. It feels like a bit of you is a bit empty. It's like, oh, I'm not with my brothers doing what we're, you know, what we're You're with your family to. instead. I'm with the actual family. Yeah. yeah. a bit empty. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what I meant. <laughs> it's all coming out. It's all coming out. Um... <laughs> Remember, it's all right, we know. This is your little date. <laughs> yes. Sorry, don't sorry. ruin it. Second don't, time later, fine, fine. Don't, <laughs> yeah. don't mess up your date, Tom. Yeah. Um, talking of Busted, we did this, uh, should we call it a documentary? We did a documentary um, where I followed you and Busted Mc, around. Yeah, yeah McBusted days. And this was our, just after, you had just had a baby. Which yes. How old was this? Buzz. Buzz. Yeah, oh my yeah. God, it was Buzz. Yeah. He literally, Nine, he was born nine, yeah. while we were doing the documentary. Yes. So there was a day where I was meant to come and meet you somewhere to do a day's filming and I couldn't because we were at the hospital and you'd oh given birth. God. And yeah, so it was literally right in the middle of all that. Sorry, I couldn't interrupt. No, but that, because I remember you being in the house at one point and you were 
breastfeeding and it was just like, oh, we were in the house. I felt quite bad. Like, oh my God, we brought a whole crew to your house. It was a wild time. Can I just say, I've just remembered something that happened. So we were. Oh, this sounds naughty. Well, because Buzz <laughs> came a little bit early. It was about two weeks early. Right. And uh, so I, you know, I, we, we knew you were in labor. And so I just, I text our manager just to say, just to let you know, Giovanna's gone into labor. So just going to, I'm not going to be around. And uh, he was like, so, you know, like you're filming this show with Fern, do you think we should let them know if they wanted to come down to the, to the hospital? <laughs> like, as if, and I was like, what do you mean to film the birth? Like, what? Are you? I, was, I was like, I think probably no. We'll just keep this to us, isn't it? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. So, sorry you weren't invited to the birth. No, I understand. Ah. I, I, I no offence taken. Invited. Otherwise, I would have been, come on. Babe, like, I love you, but I don't know <laughs> no, if that no. would have been appropriate. Yeah. I don't think oh. it's quite what you expect from a, a McBusted documentary heading <laughs> no. into this childbirth uh, documentary. Yeah. Wow, but I love that you set the boundary and you yeah, said, yeah. I'm yeah. afraid not. Yeah, I was like, no, I, yeah, it's, it's hard saying no, but that was, yeah, I didn't stress you out with that while you were in labour as well. I was like, just having a contraction. Should I, should I suggest that? <laughs> no, I'm going to take my initiative here. Use my initiative and say, probably not. Well done. Yeah. Well done, well done Tom. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had well to do you. something, you know, make yourself useful. <laughs> exactly. In that situation. So, very good executive decision. Yeah. Um, it was actually a very impactful moment for me, and I've talked to both of you about this, because... At that time, I had probably a little, I, I don't know, maybe a few, it could have been a year or a couple of years, had come off antidepressants. And I hadn't talked publicly or really to many people that I'd been on them or that I'd had anything going on mentally. And we had a really great chat in your house about your mental health and bipolar and antidepressants. And I was sat there in awe of how you were talking about it just really normally. It wasn't a big deal for you to talk about. I mean, I'm, I know it was a big deal, but it wasn't like you were making some huge thing up. You were just talking about it really in a grounded way. And I kind of went home and went, oh my God, why am I kind of keeping all this a secret, even to people in my close family circle? Mm. And it made it, I mean, I, I told you, I think about it not long after, it had a huge impact on me and has really led me to talk about it, you know, very publicly and write about it. And, um, so yeah, this is all about you here, Tom. Obviously, this is why I've done it because you gave me the, you gave me the permission to speak out loud. But but it was a real turning point. It was a real pivotal moment. It was um, it was incredible to yeah to just hear you talk about it so freely. How how do you feel mentally today? Do you still have big ups and downs? How do you manage your mental health? Yeah, I still like I definitely have you know moments where I really struggle and. Um, it's definitely easier to, it's so much easier to manage now that you can kind of talk more openly about it. Because actually, like, and it's amazing to hear that, actually, friend. So th thank you, firstly. Like, it's amazing to hear that speaking about it and having conversations does have an, an, an impact. And I know that firsthand because I only, I, I watched Stephen Fry's documentary and stumbled upon it by pure coincidence in a time when I was really struggling. And I was, it was this light bulb moment of that is someone describing my brain what everything he was saying it was like he was speaking about my the way my, the way I am and so if he hadn't have had that conversation publicly I would never have really reached out and started having those conversations myself so it's so important that it becomes just something we can talk about openly um it's why you know everything you're doing is so incredible and so important and a big part of it as well was like my bandmates just being open and talking about their struggles you know it's a time when a lot of us were going through some some rough times and I think it was just the time when we started talking to each other about the way we were feeling. And before that, we were, you know, pretty stereotypical for a group of guys. We had, didn't really tell each other how we felt. And 
the stuff was that was going on and there, yeah it was just a turning point where we were all like actually I'm really struggling we need to talk to each other about this and help each other out and get through it and I think that's why I was able to talk openly you know with you and to, or just talk openly you know in in public about it realizing actually we have this amazing platform I'm got myself into a good place and felt like you know what why not talk about it. it's not something to be embarrassed about we all go through it we all go through some you know degree of mental health and so yeah the more we can share and talk about it is it's such an important brilliant thing to be doing so to answer your question yeah I still absolutely I don't have it all figured out and um, I still go through times when I struggle but you know it's just you take it as it comes I think I take it as it comes are you pretty good at sensing when each other are having a tougher time or in a bad space can you pick up on that pretty well I think so. Yeah, I guess so. I think you do. I think there's maybe like an un, more, I think, well, firstly, we've got a slightly unusual relationship where we have known each other since we were 13. Yes. So a lot of it is probably just unspoken where you don't need to say, you don't need to say it. Yeah. You can just pick up on it because, yeah, we've known each other for forever. I guess, you know, maybe you don't have that, not many people have that with their partner, but maybe has a friend who is that person who you're just, in tune with on a level where you don't need to say it, you don't need to have the conversation, you can just pick up on it and you know how to deal with it. Mm. So I think we probably have it like that. Yeah. We don't really like sit down and have conversations about our... We don't have time to sit down and have conversations. No. We don't sit down and talk about <laughs> anything, let alone mental health. But yeah, we're definitely aware of each other's feelings and how we're, when we're going through ups and downs, yeah. I think. Yeah. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And let's talk about your incredibly long and beautiful relationship because you met at school. Yeah, 13. You proposed to Giovanna back at the school, That's which was the most romantic thing ever. Mm -hmm. I came to your glorious wedding, which uh, everyone was weeping. You did the song. I mean, it was just, <laughs> oh, the whole thing was just gorgeous. Um, and this is almost a cliche question, but I think it's still really worth asking because I think everyone out there, whether they're in a relationship or not, or have had relationships in the past, we're all trying to find a good way to navigate relationships and a good way to keep them, even if it's friendships, to keep them on track and to keep them really, really healthy. Yeah. So what do you, is there a key to it for you guys? I think, personally, awareness is a massive thing. Like, know when you're being an idiot. Like, know when you are taken out on that person. Know when you're... Oh, and just, just, just be self-aware is one thing I think that's really, really important. And know that... I mean, it's very easy. I hate when people say couple goals because you just don't know what's going on in anyone's life and you don't know what those ups and downs that someone's going through. And I think being in a long-term relationship, it's about knowing that you will go through phases where you might not like each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're going to, for whatever reason, maybe... What? <laughs> this is news itself. <laughs> there have been times. Um, but if that's because you've got young kids or something really stressful is going on at work, like I know... When I'm on a book deadline, 
I don't realise that I've been a plonker until I press send on that book. And I'm like, I can dance on the ceiling. And I just realise how fat I have been through the writing process. So if you read one of my books, just imagine me. Yeah, think of me. (laughs) Awesome. But it's that thing, it's kind of going, ah, yeah. And just realising that no one stays the same forever. And that there will be ups and downs. And and yeah, there's just phases, I would say. There are phases when we really love each other. Yeah. Other times. When are we getting into that phase? Over <laughs> <laughs> uh, 20 years. But also, though. like, I think it's like we, like, God, we don't have it all figured out at all. Like, we're no. just, we're clear. Like, it's one of those interesting things being, like, being in the public eye, what people see and what you put up. You know, it's, it's like, you know, Instagram and social media is, it's like a photo album. You don't, put, well, actually, it's become better. People are, are much yeah. better at sharing rough times and tough times. You're really good at it, like, about talking about it openly. But most of the time, you're putting up like what you would put in your photo album. And it's like, oh, the family holiday or this amazing day that you've just had or this really nice meal you've just cooked or your cat or something, you know. You know, so that is what people... And so it's really easy to say couple goals. Oh, look, yeah. oh, they, you know, they're doing this lovely podcast today with each other. And, um, but actually, you know, we absolutely don't have it figured out. We go through, you know, like anyone going through a long-term relationship, in any relationship, or a long-term friendship, yeah. go through like really tough times and you have to figure out, especially when you have kids and busy lives and life, you know, life admin getting in the way of stuff. It's really difficult. And, you know, it's really easy to, I hate giving advice on it because it's just like, oh, like when was the last date night we had? I can't even remember the last time we went out. Yeah, now. Right it's, now. It's it. Yeah. But we don't, like, we just, it's really, um, we don't have it figured out at all. We're just kind of winging it and figuring it out as we go along. And it's only when you stop and think, oh, yeah, we should probably have a date night soon. And, you know, probably moisturize my feet again soon. Matt Evanson did uh, tell us this thing once where he was doing, like, an alphabet dating. What? So he'd start on A. So one of you oh, takes yeah. A. And uh, so then the one person has to... You, so everything you do that day has to start with an A. So you're in charge of your A date. The next person takes the B date. So everything starts. So A, what might you do for A? Uh, <laughs> this is such a palaver. But no, yeah. no, it makes it really fun because right, you have on. to think outside the box. Right. We got to B and had a baby. And we're like, <laughs> right. That's us, the big one. Yep. <laughs> the big B. Yeah. But yeah, we're a bit rubbish at... Um, yeah, we're ready for the C. Yeah, yeah. after be. 10 years. Yeah. Let's go on a sea date. You're going to a cattery. <laughs> there we yes, go. That's great. But I would perfect. say for us, laughter is a massive thing. Yeah. It's still now, after 25 years of knowing each other, if I do something that makes Tom laugh, I'm like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's so important, humour. I think in all Because areas, life is ridiculous. Yes. Life is so ridiculous. And I think, and that's one thing with the podcast, I realised that if we can poke fun a little bit at the ridiculousness of every day, the things that we get stressed about that we really don't need to get stressed about, um, then that makes it so much easier to get through. It's really important, and I always love it whenever we bring humour into the sort of well-being conversation, because it's yeah. not necessarily... I mean, we have laughing yoga at the festival, which is one of the funniest things you've ever seen. And even watching it, you start it's contagious. You start laughing, and then you sort of can't stop. It's very important to bring humour into the equation, whether it's cultivating laughter where you can, trying to yeah. find funny moments, but also, like you say, a perspective shift of seeing something with humour. We had this uh, wonderful activist and model on the podcast recently, Fats Timbo. I don't know if any of you heard that, that episode. And Fats has been really brought up with humour in mind in her family. So, for instance, they went away as a family on holiday to Tenerife. 
They were at the airport about to come home and at the check-in, the check-in assistant said, your flight left yesterday. And for me, I would be <laughs> catatonic with stress. I would be blaming Jesse for sure. Yeah, it's your fault. You did not look. I'd be shouting, having a tantrum. They all just broke into laughter. And they couldn't stop laughing. They were like wheezing, holding their tummies. And I thought, what a wonderful way to turn stress on yeah. its head. And stress is a huge problem when it comes to our well-being. So I think humor is really, really important. How funny is it to write books together? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's quite hard to see the funny side sometimes. <laughs> I remember so we did this big like Penguin Book event, and the CEO sat down with us to interview us for it was like her, it was pitching to the whole of Penguin about what was coming up, and he opened by saying, "Thank you so much for sharing your divorce with us." I'm like, oh, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh my yeah. god! I don't think we'd written the first book then either. Yeah. No, uh, uh, we've written two now. The first is a trilogy. Don't ever sign up to a trilogy. Right. Because, like, and I feel it every time someone goes, so when's the next book? I'm like, yeah. Uh, started it? We know. Uh, we well, we started planning it, not actually writing it. The thing is, what's really frustrating is that we planned the, so the whole trilogy. We know how it ends. We've got, like, yeah. the last okay. line. Okay, just got to get there. We just got to get there, yeah. But, so we want, we obviously want to do it. It feels like this, you know, really, like, this, you know, thing we haven't achieved. But, no, it was... Obviously, I'm used to like collaborating, you know, with writing because I do it with my band all the time. So it's something that we'd never done with each other before. So it's a completely new experience, like writing with. Like we both wrote books so on paper. It's like, yeah, we should just write a book with each other. This would be easy. But then realizing, oh no, actually, this is really hard. Writing a novel or writing a trilogy of novels together is a really challenging thing to do. But um, no, I mean, we both we love it. It's just finding time to finish it. Also, when you're writing, you go, like you know, you go through so many different stages. Like you start thinking this is the best idea ever; it's going to be amazing. And then you start writing, you go, oh, I'm not sure. Then you're like, oh, this is rubbish. This is the worst thing I've ever written. Yeah. And it's at that point that you've got to hand it over to the other person and go, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Good luck. So next time, you're like, so you're is that how you do it? You'll write a section, you'll hand the book to. So Tom. we take um, different characters. Uh, so I write Eve, Tom writes Bram. So we spend a lot of time planning, more so than I had ever at that point. So with my, my books that I write my own, I usually know what my first third's going to be. I know what my concept is, and then I just, I know where I want to end, but I just let my characters fly and really enjoy that. I think it's the actor in me, like that improvisation. I love that. Whereas when you're writing with someone else, you've really got to plan what's happening so that you both know what, what book you're making. Yeah. Um, like, they died? What? <laughs> <laughs> Lots weird. Yeah, so we spend a lot of time, and I was really worried about that because for me, it's like, so growing up, when I used to play with my Barbies or dolls or whatever, I can remember like acting it all out while I was setting up, and then I'd get to, I'd be ready to actually play, and I'd be like, but I've done it now. I've had all the conversations, and I didn't want planning to be like that. I didn't want to have seen it all and then be like, well, I don't want to tell that story because I've done it and I'm bored of it. I get it. But it was actually really good doing that together because we're actually, that bouncing off of each other is really, really fun. There were times, it's really hard having someone go, Oh, no, no, no. That is not good. Um, and there was, well, I think there was one time where you told me I'd gone too far. Yeah. I'd taken something too far. And I was like, okay. Guess who wrote it in the next chapter for his... <laughs> Oh, that is so sneaky. <laughs> yeah. What a shock. Yeah. Well, I, I think, know. no, it's just a realisation. No, it's a compliment, because what I realised was actually it was a really good idea, <laughs> but it just belonged in my chapter. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing 
longest and the editors got it and they were like, too far. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, yeah, we, we thought It was edited out eventually, so I was right. You won. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you win. Yeah. Do you egg each other on creatively, even outside of books? Because you're both working, you're polymaths, you're working in so many different areas of yeah. time. Do you feel inspired by each other? I think the thing that I'm finding now is because I've just sort of pushed back a little bit on something and it means that I'm, I've got so much going on still, but there is this void. And I do feel like looking at Tom, it makes me go, I'm not being as productive as I could be. I know I'm spinning so many plates. I know it would push me over the edge if I was to take on anything else. But I do think looking at what, you know how someone, like sometimes there's that person on Instagram that you look at and go, oh, they're doing that. I wish I was doing that. I can't just get, look at Tom and his little writing face <laughs> going, I wish I was doing that. <laughs> you know, so I do think there's that. Yeah, I think we, no, we totally like inspired you. Like I was, it was only when you really started writing novels that I was like, oh, I, I really want to write a novel. I was writing picture books. And I was like, I, I want to do that. And I kept annoying Giovanna because I kept telling her that. And she just got to a point where she's like, you just, well, you just write one then. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Um, and so how yeah, many books have you done between you now? Is that even, can you I calculate that? 12, and you've done ridiculous I don't now. know, yeah, like 25 or something. What? Something like that, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, do you ever sit back and look at that pile of books and go, oh, I did that, I wrote that? Um, and yeah, like, on World Book Day. I like well, to pile them up. Yeah, correct. Oh, we did that one, yeah. I'm feeling a bit like I'm not being productive. You've written all these words. Yes, it's yeah. No, but there's that thing of like this massive, I have massive imposter syndrome where you just think like I'm going to be, I don't know how to do any of the things I do. No. I'm such an average guitarist. If someone said to me, how do you write a song? I don't know. I just sit down and it's like, I have no idea. And I freak out when I have, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm in a workshop this week for a, a show I'm working on. And I haven't written the songs properly for it yet. I don't really know how. I, I just turn up and think, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to get found out one day and they're going to fire me from all these things and they're going to drop me from my publisher because I don't know what I'm doing. I think we all feel like that. And it's really good yeah. to admit because we have so many people on the podcast or people interacting on Instagram saying, I've got such bad imposter syndrome. I'm, I've been promoted or I'm running my own company. And I think it's really good to safely say everybody has it. And we yeah. just need to push through it and know that we're enough and that we're we're doing enough. But I think knowing that we're all dealing with it is really positive. Um, Giovanna, obviously you've got your own brilliantly successful podcast and you interview so many wonderful people. Is there any one nugget or something that's really stuck with you in terms of parenting or just I think being a parent? An overriding theme of ever, everyone just making it up as they go along. No one really feeling like they've got it sussed. Um, and that we're all just trying our best, whatever that looks like. Um, I think so often we can look to other people and kind of go, oh, I wish we were living life like that. Or in terms of kids, like I wish I could parent in that way. But you don't know what's going on at home. Like our kids are wild. And, um, and <laughs> I don't know, maybe that's changed my perception. I think maybe if we had quieter kids, I would look at parenting in a different way. I just think it's just a whirlwind, a total whirlwind. And I, I think it's to trust that you're doing the way that works for you. Because I read all the books before becoming a mum. I, I, every single one that's out there, I'd read it. And I thought when Buzz came into the world, that I was going to have it sussed. He hadn't read any of the freaking books. <laughs> <laughs> so, Buzz. you know, I know, so inconsiderate. I was like, <laughs> but you're meant to be doing this. Um, and so it just, I think, so for the first little while, I was constantly just 
trying to second-guess everything or taking on all the advice, the advice from the book, the advice from Joan down the road, Peter in the supermarket, you told me how to breastfeed, whatever it is. Like, Peter, these, what do you know? You know, but all these different things that come at you and you're just kind of, yeah, 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 I'll do that because that'll make me a good mum. Yeah, 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 I'll do that. And then actually it takes forever for you to kind of go, sod that. I'm not, I have to just listen to what I think and to the baby in front of me. And I think that takes such a long time to do. And I still think now that they're getting older, the things that pop up are different and they're more challenging than what they were when they were newborn. But the newborn phase just felt so massive. Um, yeah, so my whole thing, I think, in parenting and the podcast is just to keep scooping each other up and knowing that we're all just trying, you know. And that sometimes you might feel like you're not trying your best, but you tried. Yeah. And sometimes you go to bed and you feel, well, I messed up that day royally. And that is okay, too. Because I think is it Scarlett O'Hara who says tomorrow's another day. I don't know. I think it's a Gone with the Wind reference. She says something like that. And, uh, and I think it is that. It's kind of drawing a line under each day and going, tomorrow's, tomorrow's a new effort. Yeah. Well, I love Happy Mum, Happy Baby. It's just brilliant. And it's a great resource for anyone navigating parenting and dealing with the mess of life being a parent. It's, I do it's think it's such an honour, though. Whenever you've got someone on and they open up to that side of them that's yeah. it's such an honor to have that person come on and just share their words and especially when it comes to mental health and parenthood i think it's such it's so raw do you know what I mean? for so many people to share that part of them is something that i never take for granted also i think especially with parenting probably unlike i mean there's judgment with many areas yeah. of life i think the parenting judgment is so huge and usually it comes from a place of you want to one-up someone else like well my kid doesn't do that i never did that but actually, we're all in it together. There's, yeah. there's, you know, like you said, there's road bumps, there's good days, bad days. But it just seems like there's so much judgment on decisions that you're making that should come from your gut. I always think, though, with things like that, the people like the Jones and the Peters. I don't know why I pick those names. I always say Joan and Tom's nan's called Joan. I don't know why I say that. <laughs> but I think the thing is that they have been there and that they've gone through all the things and they've found the thing that works for them. This is how I reason it in my head. So they've done all that. They've done all the sleepless nights. They've done the feeling of being out of your depth and they get there and they want to share that because they've been there and they've done it. But they've landed on that thing because that's what works for them and their baby. I don't, I have to tell myself, they don't do it out of malice. They do it because they're trying to give you a shortcut but their shortcut is going to a different place that you need to get to. So that's I, how I sort of say it in my brain. I also think when people give advice, it's often due to nostalgia. They want to kind yeah. of like go back there and part of them likes to recall it and say, oh, well, I remember when we did this. And like you say, there's no malice there. It's no. just kind of they're recalling it and yeah. they think it might be helpful. I heard something really cool the other day. I can't even think who told me this, but to only ever ask two people for advice. So pick two people that you really know are going to give you advice that isn't loaded, isn't going to damage you more, isn't going to be self-reflective for them. They're genuinely people that see you and get you and, and want you to, to do well and to, to be okay. And to always go back to, obviously, you need to check in with them that it's okay, but to go back to those two people, because when we start asking everyone, oh, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? You are overwhelmed, bombarded, it's all too much. And you actually just go, I don't want to do any of it. I'm just going to kind of crack on and, and see what happens. So only two people. That's what I heard. I'm going to put it into practice, see if it works. That's good advice. It's Does good that advice. make you one of our people? I'm here for it. When it's a book thing. I have I no advice, to... but I'm here for <laughs> it. <laughs> if it's a book thing and I go to Tom, he always tries to kill off my characters. Tom, 
What's going on here? Are you you sabotaging Giovanna's writing? <laughs> why is there a theme? <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. No, I think, no, whatever. I just, it, it was a couple of times, and I think it probably was. I stopped been, asking. Yeah. I coming. <laughs> Death. I don't wow. Know. <laughs> Very short book where the character dies real yeah. Chapter soon. one, they yeah. died. Done. That's because you want to get back to the trilogy. Yeah, exactly. That is why this book. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, we're, we're so excited about the third book. <laughs> <laughs> Don't expect it. Look, find something else to read yeah. you know, before then. We, we have some recommendations. It, yeah. <laughs> it's coming soon-ish. Yeah. Okay? No exact date. Um, but also just to see what else you come up with because you're constantly acting on stage, doing tours, working on films. And it's just really exciting as a friend to see how many brilliant things you're doing. Um, and I'm just so grateful that you were here at the Happy Place Festival today. What a joy, what an honour. Please give it up for Tom and Giovanna Fletcher. Thank you very much. Well, I for one am very much looking forward to that next book as and when it is ready, guys. No rush, you are very busy people. You definitely keep us on our toes and you keep us wanting more. Thank you so much, Tom and G, for being such a beautiful part of the festival. It was really, really special having you there. And it was really special having you there. It was amazing getting to meet so many of you, hugging so many of you, hearing so many brilliant life stories in one weekend. And look, we're doing it all over again very soon at Tatton Park on the 2nd and 3rd of September. Oh, and also do listen to that episode with Fat Timbo that I mentioned if you haven't already heard her tell that brilliant story about her and her family at the airport. It's hilarious. I felt stressed still, her telling that story, but she just tells it beautifully, so do go give that episode a listen. Right then, back here next week. Until then, huge, huge thank you to Tom and Giovanna, to the producer Anushka Tate at Rethink Audio, and to you, I bloody love you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com